Good. We are on Daf uh, Nun Tet Amud, uh, Amud Bet at the very bottom of the page. Uh, we are going through the Mishnah on the Halachot of Brachot, on when you say different Brachot. Um, and uh, so it says like this Bana Chadash, if you build a new home, the Kanakalim Chadashim, and you buy new vessels. Uh, so this would be vessels that are very are very expensive and very rare. Um, so it says though you say the Brocha Shachyan with your money began as one So it says like this Amaravuna Lo Shanu Lo Ravuna holds that this is only when you had not previously inherited clothes similar to these. Meaning the you you, according to Rav Huna, you say Shechianu only on something that you don't have something similar to. So say you've got a, a new suit. This is my understanding. Say you inherit a suit. So you've got a suit. So now when you go and buy a new suit, you don't actually say Shechianu because you've already got a suit. So it says, But if you don't have a new, if you don't have a suit, you've been if you already, sorry, if you already have a suit that you've inherited or that you have from a previous purchase, you do not say a new brach, you do not say, uh, or you don't have to say Shechiano. So Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, Even if you have uh, something like it, like you've inherited a suit, you can, you have to say Shechiano. Okay, so according to, just to help us understand this machloket, um, according to Rav Huna... Oh, can I just ask you a question? Yes. I just want to ask you another question. Like, I mean, God forbid, but let's say you inherit money after somebody passes. I mean, what is that? I mean, a serious amount of cash. And how does that, what is that? Uh, so amazing. Like, so, I, mean, um, I think it was actually at the end of the last uh, shiur that we said. Um, I don't know where it was. I think it was in the last year that I recorded, unless it's today, in today's year, but it basically it's got that situation. It says that if a person dies, it's easy, it was in the year that I recorded. It says if a person dies, they, and they get left over inheritance. So they say two brochas. In the beginning, they say the brocha Diana met on the death. And then, and I'm not sure how long after, they say Hatova Metiv, or Shechianu, Hatov Vametiv, if it's going to affect you and your other siblings. Um, and, but if it's just going to affect you, then you would actually say Shechianu. So you're 100% right. So you, I don't know when you would say such a brocha, but maybe when it comes into your account or whatever it is, absolutely, you would inherit, you would say a brocha over that. Excellent point. Okay, so it says like this. Now, according to Ravuna, it's about the thing itself. If you've got something similar to it, the simcha that you experience is not enough to obligate you to say Shechianu. Whereas according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's not about the thing, it's about the purchasing. If you get a new one, the act of purchasing, even though you've already got one in the cupboard from someone else, the, the simcha is that you got a new one. And therefore you would say Shechianu. Um, okay, so that's the, that's the difference. So it says, Gemara continues, What if you went 
and you bought a suit and then you went and bought another suit so you never inherited it but you bought two suits um, everybody would agree you don't make a new bracha because according to Rav Huna, you definitely don't make a new bracha because you, you have already two of the same things uh, the, and according to Rabbi Yochanan you don't say a new bracha because the, the, you purchased both of them it's only the simcha is where you didn't purchase the one or you maybe have purchased it a very long time before but then you purchased a new one so let's just go in simple understanding if you already have a suit um, sorry, and you, so you went, you bought a suit and then you went back and bought another suit so you don't, you don't have the simcha of the uniqueness of the object because you have now two suits and you don't have the simcha of the acquisition um, because you just before you, you did the acquisition on another suit so it's not like something such a wonderful experience okay so that's according to this and um, we're going to get into this argument a bit more so it says like this now that's that's what we see according to one opinion but another opinion says there are those that say this very, there's another there's another version of this argument this law that one should say Shekhiyanu over buying new clothes is only when you didn't go you bought you didn't go buy a suit and then go back and buy a new suit in such a case um, um, Avalkana v'chazar. So then you wouldn't say then you would say Shechianu if you bought a suit and you didn't go and buy another suit. Avalkana v'chazar. But if you bought a suit and then you went back, Avalkana, and then you bought another suit, ain sarech levarach. We hold you don't need to make a new bracha. Rabbi Yochanan Amar. Rabbi Yochanan says, Afilu kana v'chazar kana sarech levarach. Even if you went to buy two new suits, you bought one and then you went back a week later and you bought another one, the simcha of buying something new is worth, uh, is obligating you to say Shekhianu. So there you see there's a bit of a machloket here. Going to the first version, if you bought two things that are similar, you don't say Shekhianu on the first one, according to Rabbi Yochanan. According to the second opinion, the second version, if even if you went and bought two separate times a suit, you would say Shekhianu on both because it's about the purchase, even though you did the purchase not long before, and even though you have a suit already. Okay, so now, according to this, Michlau, this implies that if you inherited one and then you go and buy one, everybody holds. You need to go, you need to say a brach of Shekhianu because um, when you inherited it, you already have one and then when you go and buy a new one, there's an extra simcha. So if the opinion is, is that if you buy two suits, one after the other, and you say Shekhianu, how much, and that is enough simcha, how much more so if you already have a suit and then you go buy a new suit, then obviously the simcha is even greater and how much more so you would say Shekhianu. So the Gemara asks, um, is a, we can bring a contradiction to this from a brighter. If you build a new home, then you don't have a, a similar house. I mean, most people don't, you know, most people don't have similar houses. But if you think about it, in the old days, they lived in a very small home. 
and they might have had another home down the road. Um, or you buy new vessels, and you don't have any other vessels. Um, then you need to say Shechianu because you don't have. It's the first time you're purchasing it, so it's a great simcha. But if you have something similar, like a similar house or a similar suit, um, you don't have to make a bracha. That's the words of Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Meir holds that it's about having new things that are different to each other. If you don't have something new and different, you don't say Shechianu. Rabbi Yudah says, In both cases, you need to say Shechianu. Now, what does he mean in both cases you need to say Shechianu? When you have a house and you bought another house. We don't know how you, or you have a suit and you bought another suit. We don't know how you got the first one. Okay. So it says, It's reasonable according to the first the first version, here we are, Bishloma Kama. It's reasonable according to the first version. Um Rabhuna Krabimaya. Rabhuna holds like Rabimaya. Rabhuna is an Amora. He's a later rabbi, and he holds like an earlier rabbi, Rabbi Meir, who was a Tana. Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi Yochanan holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Because of how so? Remember, Rabhuna holds that you only say Shechianu if you don't have something similar to it. Same thing with Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yochanan, he's an Amora, and he holds that even if you have something, um, like you, you, you inherited it, um, and you go and buy a new one, then there's simcha to that, and you do say uh, a shechianu, and that could be what the machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi is. Um, whereas Elilishna uh, Batra, but according to the second version, where everybody agrees that if you inherit it and then you buy a new one, everybody agrees you say shechianu in the second thing. Elilishna Batra. It's reasonable to say that Rav Huna holds like Rabbi Yehuda because Rav Huna holds that you need to have um, uh, that if you inherit that even if you uh, even if you've got a new thing that you already have as long as you had it through inheritance and now you bought it yourself then you say Shechianu like Rabbi Yehuda Elel Rabbi Yochanan the Amar Kaman Who does Rabbi Yochanan hold like? Uh, Rabbi Yochanan doesn't hold like Rabbi Meir, but Rabbi Yudha, and he doesn't hold like Rabbi Yudha, because according to the second version, Rabbi, Yehuda, Rabbi Yochanan holds that even if you went and bought two new suits, you would say Shechianu on both suits, and according to Rabbi Meir or Rabbi Yehuda, no one holds that. Rabbi Yehuda only holds that if you, it seems that he holds only if you inherited a suit and you bought a new suit then you say shechianu but not if you go and buy two new suits so um um so according to that rabbi yochanan who's an amora doesn't have anybody to stand on of the previous generation who is a tana so the gemara says amarach rabbi yochanan rabbi yochanan can say to you who are din it's the same halacha the rabbi yehuda kana v'chaza v'kana nami tarek that even Rabbi Yudah holds that when he says that if you 
had something and then you went and bought a new thing, he would actually say that you would say Sheikh Yanu if you bought it and then you bought another one. He actually would say Sheikh Yanu. He's not talking about if you just inherited it. Um, but oh, the machloket between Rabbi May and Rabbi Yudah is where you have one and you bought a new one. Why? Well, that doesn't make sense. So rather teach us you, you didn't have any and you bought one and then you bought another one. Why does it teach you that it's, it sounds like uh, the case the machloket is when you inherited? To show you the strength of Rabbi Meir. To show you uh, that even according to, according to Rabbi Meir, even if you, um, you acquire something new and you already have something similar, you don't need to say Shekhianu because he is so, so to speak, strict that only when you, have a, you, you buy something new that you, haven't, that you don't have, that's when you're obligated to say Shekhianu. So he's very lenient and he would say you don't have to say Shekhianu um, in such a case. And how much more so, where you go and buy something, if you go buy something and then you go buy something new, so therefore the second thing, for sure you don't say Shekhanu, because you didn't get Simcha from the second thing enough, because you already have one, and you didn't get Simcha from the second purchase, because you purchased the first one, you didn't inherit the first one. So that's Rabbi Meir. Um, the Gemara says, Ah, the leaf log, but let them rather argue about if you buy something and then you go back and buy another thing, another suit that you don't have to make a new bracha um, to show you the strength of Rabbi Yehuda why does that show you the strength of Rabbi Yehuda? because Rabbi Yehuda would say that um, that when you um, that even in a case where you go and buy two new suits one after the other you would say Shekhianu on the second suit he, he holds you obligated to say Shekhianu that's a, that's a big chiddush that's a big novelty so we wanted to show you the, the strength of Rabbi Meir and how lenient he is why don't you teach it in the other way of to show you how strict Rabbi Yehuda is that even if you bar a suit one after the other for the second suit you'd have Shekhianu. So this is a major, major principle. No, the Mishnah wants to teach you the strength of being lenient over the strength of being strict. It wants to highlight how lenient Rabbi May is that he is so lenient that if you, even if you have a suit and then you go buy a new suit, you don't have to say Shekhianu. Now actually, you could say Shekhianu if you wanted, because uh, in another Gemara it says that um, you can say Shekhianu on really anything that brings you a lot of Simcha. What the argument here is, are you obligated to say Shekhianu? And Rabbi Meir is so lenient that he holds you don't have to say Shekhianu, um, which shows you the strength of being lenient. Just the interesting thing is that when a, when a Rav wants to Paskin, um, what takes a lot more courage is to be lenient than to be strict because to be lenient means you're allowing an action to be strict you just say don't do anything so that's this concept of okay now that's the rules of Shekhianu uh, bottom line is and I know this isn't a halachish here because there's so much halach in this but bottom line is is that um, only when you bar something 
um, that whether you have it or not, but if you buy it and it gives you a lot of simcha and it's a very rare purchase and it's, it's a, an expensive purchase, therefore, that's when you say shechianu. Um, but if the thing is beneficial for you and other people, then you would not say shechianu, but a tova meitiv. And that was the, uh, the previous recording. Okay. Um, uh, the next uh, bracha that we learn about is Mavarech al Um That if you... Nashi, is it just... Yeah. Bro, is it about buying things? Or what about like experiences that are quite... Uh-huh. You can go to a, going on holiday or I don't know. I'm just saying... Amazing. Like, by the way, by the way, even if you get given something and you didn't buy it, that also warrants Shekhyanu. It doesn't have to be a purchase. It just needs to be... It needs to come into your possession and even if it's old, but to you it's new, you'd also say Shekhyanu on it. Um, like an old car that you get. Um, okay, but um, an experience, it's interesting, we hold you don't say Shekhyanu on experiences, but that is interesting because we do say Shekhyanu on the Chagim. Like we on Yom, uh, we're going to say on, on Rosh Hashanah, if I'm not mistaken, we say Shekhyanu because we thank God that He's allowed us to live until this Rosh Hashanah. And we'll say Shekhyanu Yom Kippur and Sukkot. So in a sense, we are saying Shekhyanu on reaching certain milestones, which is really an experience. It's not a thing. We don't get a thing. So you could maybe argue that you should say Shekhyanu on an amazing event. Um, yeah, um, it is an interesting thing, yet we don't. Nevertheless, I was once in a shir with Rabbi Rakefet, who's a rabbi at Yeshiva University in Israel and he had just published his book and uh, he said in the shir it was like he, he released his book and he said Shekhyanu over that book um, uh, and it wasn't that he like owned the book because it wasn't about owning the book it was about the, the big schut of releasing a book of publishing a book and he said if you say Shekhyanu on a new fruit how much more so you say Shekhyanu on a, on a new book so that uh, Hunan, it would seem according to that you would say on an experience but uh, yet somehow we don't we don't say on holidays or something we do say Shekhyanu over the birth of a new girl of a, of a girl we say Shekhyanu so I don't know on your birthday Rob would you say it on your Yibri birthday baby if you say it on Rosh Hashanah yeah you're right we don't do it somehow but you're right it makes sense to but we don't you're right um, uh, okay good good questions Okay, so now what is the case where you, the Gemara says, you you say Baruch Tainemet on something that is bad now but has the potential to be good. Okay, so, um, what's the case? For instance, if a flood of water swept through the land, now that's a bad thing, right? It's a flood. I forgot the Tabahi Lididai. Even though it actually in the long term is actually good because it will allow sediment and it will be good for the ground. So right now it's bad, but in the future it would be good. And you might think that therefore you don't say the brocha baruch emet, which is the brocha you say of a tragedy. Nevertheless, the maska ara sirtun b'shafcha, because the land will accumulate sediment and thereby improve. Hashta miarai, nevertheless, because it's bad now, you say dayan emet. We'll see the next piece. And you say on good things that even though they're good now, they could land up being bad. Um, what's the case? You find a lost sum of money. 
even though it could be bad for him because if the king hears that you find a lot of money he might come and take it from you um, and that's not so I mean you know that it might be a difficult situation and even more so because he might arrest you it says in the commentary because you know he's, he's concerned you kept some for yourself um, but uh, right now it's a good thing it's a, a, to find money is a good thing uh, even though it could be something bad so I think the message of this is is that you have to be in the moment a brocha is about thanking God for the moment and whether it's good or bad you have to take in the moment regardless of the future and uh, and that I think it's a powerful lesson actually of that's what brochas really do they make you be more in the moment they make when you eat a chocolate and you say shiako you ta- hopefully taste it a bit better because you actually focus on what you're eating okay the Gemara continues um, if, your, if your wife was pregnant um, and, uh, and you say a prayer and you, you say may it be uh, Hashem's will that she give birth to a boy uh, it is a, uh, a meaningless tefillah because once she's already pregnant she, you can't change the gender of the child so the Gemara asks uh, according to this uh, davening won't help um, uh, because you can't change the gender Rav Yosef Yosef challenges this regarding the story of the birth of Dina I don't know if you remember this but Leah had six boys and uh, she knew through prophecy that there would be 12 sons to Yaakov and at that point Rachel hadn't got any boys hadn't had any children and if Leah gets a seventh boy then that would mean that the, the midwives, the other wives, had two boys each. If she has seven, then there's only one boy left um, out of the twelve to be born to Rachel. And, uh, and that would be very embarrassing that she didn't even have as many children as the other wives of y- Yaakov. So, therefore, it says, and, after she, and afterwards she gave birth to a daughter and she named her name Dina. My Ba'achar, what does it mean? And afterwards, After Leia uh, made a calculation in herself, and she said, There are 12 um, sons that in the future will come out of Yaakov. Shisha Yatsumi, many six that will come out from me, have already come out of me. And four already from the maidservants. Haraya Sarah, that's ten. If the child that I'm pregnant with is a boy, my sister Rachel will not be like one of the maidservants. And immediately this child and this fetus miraculously changed into a, um, a girl. As the Pasuk says, and she called her name Dina after the fact that she judged herself and changed the sex of the child. So the Gemara, that's the question, because we just said that once you're pregnant, you can't daven and change the sex of the child. So how come it worked with Dina that you could? So it's a proof you could daven and change the gender of the child. No, you can't bring proofs from miraculous things. 
Dina was on a supernatural level and it happened to her. But we not, we not, it's not appropriate for us to dive in and expect miracles to happen. Alternatively, uh, what happened with Leah was it was within 40 days of conception. Kretanya, uh, as it says in the bright, um, um, as it says in the bright, Shloisha Yami Marishoinim, the first three days after conception, Yavakesh Adam Rachamim Shuloyasriach, you dive into Hashem that the, the, the sperm and the egg shouldn't uh, go bad, meaning it should uh, become a, uh, uh, it should fertilize, that's the first three days. Um, and then it says, Mishloisha uh, Vadarbaim, from uh, three days till 40 days, Yavakesh Rachamim Sheh Zachar. Then you can daven that the child should be a boy if you want a boy or a girl if you want a girl. Um, from 40 days to 3 months, you daven that the child should not become deformed. Um, from 3 months to 6 months, that the child should not be uh, a miscarriage. From six months to nine months of the lay of the of the gestation period, uh, you daven to Hashem that he you the child will come out in peace safely. So you see from here that within the first forty days you are able to daven for the for the change of the sex, um, and that's why um, that's why Leah davened. And, but we, but, uh, but, be, um, okay, so, so now, so, and that's, and that's seemingly what happened with Leah. So, umi mahani rachmei, does this really help to dive in, in the first 40 days to change the sex of the child? Vama rav yisav bereidah rav ami ish mazriya tchila, if the man uh, emits seed first, you'll let it nekeva, then the child will become a female. Um, the Isha Mizra Tichilef, the woman emits seed first, and uh, what this means, I looked into it, uh, is like something happens in her uterus. Um, the, there's a, some concentration of uterine blood, um, and, uh, and if that happens uh, before the, the sperm of the husband uh, takes effect, then you'll let it. Uh, then Mizra Tachila Yoled Zachar. Then the male, then the child becomes a male. Shneimar, as the pastor says, Ishat ki Tazria v'yalda. If uh, a woman, when she emits seed, v'yalda Zachar, she will give birth to a male. Now, what does that show you? It shows you that from the act of conception, you can't change the gender of the child. It's, it, it depends on uh, who was was Mizra first. So, how can you dive in f- f- during the first forty days? For the change in the sex of the child, so it says, my skin." And what are we dealing with here? Where prayer, prayer can be effective. When the when the um, the they both emit seed at the same time, um, and if they do that, which is obviously extremely rare, and you don't know that, that's when you can daven for the change. But we don't know if that happens, and we therefore we that's why we don't daven for the for the change of the sex because it's so rare to have exactly at that moment 
both of them emitting seed at the same time. Okay, let's move on a bit. If you were coming, the Mishnah said that if you were coming along the road and he heard the sound of screaming in his city, um, and uh, he mustn't say, may it be your will that the screaming is not in my house. Why, why, is it, why not? Because it's a tefillat shav. Because it's already happened. He can't, uh, he can't change where the screaming happens. So Tanra Bonan, Master Bihilala Zakan, it happened with Hillel the Elder, Shaya Baba Derech, that he was coming along the way, Vishama Kots Vachabair, and he heard a, a shout, a scream in the city. Uh Amar and he said, I'm for sure, I can promise you that it never happened in my house. Vaalava Katuvomer and on this the Pasuk says, Mishmuraa Loyira Nachon Libob Butuh Bashem wa of evil tidings. He will have no fear. Why? His heart is firm, confident in Hashem. So what does that mean? Can no bad things happen to righteous people? So I saw in the commentary, no. He was so sure that nobody would scream from a tragedy in his house. That's what he was sure of. Not that tragedy wouldn't happen. But that he had trained his family to deal with tragedy so well, or, or, or not tragedy, but something that was scary so well that they wouldn't even scream. They were in such control of their emotions and with such trust in Hashem that all is for the good, um, or that, you know, it came from Hashem, that they wouldn't scream. That's how he knew that it wasn't coming from his house. Amarova kolhechi darasht lahaikra. In either way that you learn this. Pasuk, um, it says, Mereisha the Sefer Midrash, you can learn it from the first to the second part, Mesefer Lereisha Midrash, you can also learn it from the second part of the Pasuk to the first part of the Pasuk, and you'll come out to the same thing. Mereisha the Sefer Midrash, whether you learn it from the beginning part, the first stanza to the second stanza, Mishmua Ra'ah Lo Yirah. From a bad, uh, from a bad sound or bad rumor, I will not fear. Why? Because my heart, his heart is is straight. Trust in Hashem. midrash. It can also be expounded from the second stanza to the first stanza in the pasuk, as it says, A person, his heart is straight or correct, is firm. He trusts in Hashem. And therefore, he won't be afraid of any evil tidings. Uh, relating to this concept of um, dealing with something scary, there was a student who was going along the way, he was following Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, in the marketplace. Uh, and Rabbi Shmuel saw that the student was afraid, was very anxious. Amalai, he, the Rabbi Shmuel said to him, Khatat ata, at, you're a sinner. Why? As the Pasuk says, The sinners were afraid in Zion. Um, the student said to him, but it's a good thing to be anxious. It says, praiseworthy is a person who's always uh, afraid. So the Amalai, Rabbi Shmuel says to him, Ahu that's regarding Torah. You should always be afraid you're going to forget your Torah and that will make you do revision. And be careful in mitzvahs that you mustn't err. But to be afraid that something bad's going to happen or being afraid of a, a difficult future, 
Um, it either is a sin to do that because it shows that you don't have enough trust in Hashem. Alternatively, you think that it might work out badly because you sin and because Hashem therefore might punish you. Listen, obviously this is a very high level, but nevertheless, it makes sense if you, if, you know, if you, if you don't have sins, then you won't be afraid. And even if you, if, if you trust in Hashem completely, you'll just be so calm. Obviously, it's a high level, but it, it makes sense. Okay, another incident. Yehuda bar Natan have a betrayed the Rav Amnuna. Yehuda bar Natan was going along, following after Rav Amnuna. Itnach. Yehuda bar Natan sighed. Amarlei, Yesurim boy ahu gavla tuyin nafshei. That person, I, you, you want to bring suffering upon himself. Why? Dichtiv kipachat pachadeti because I was afraid. Ve'yeh ve'yetayini ve'asher yegorti yavoli. Um, it says, for my son, ashes in my meal, my groan pours forth like water because I feared a fright and it has overtaken me. What I dreaded has come upon me. So it seems from here that somebody that sighs is somebody that is expecting something bad to happen to them. Um, it says, but it's not bad to be worried about something bad coming to you. It says you should be appraised as the person who's always afraid. Gemara says, I would be very directive. No, that's when it comes to learning Torah, that's when you can be afraid. Hanichnas uh, Lekrach, the Mishnah continues, one who goes into a city, uh, it says that you should pray twice, and uh, Ben Azza says you should pray four times. One before you go into the city, once you get into the city, you thank God for getting you safely in, and then when you leave leaving the city, you should daven before you leave the city, and once you leave the city and have left, you thank God for letting you leave safely. Gomorrah says, When you go into a city, what do you say? That I enter into this city in peace. Once you've entered, you say, Thank you, Hashem. Hashem Elokim, God, my God, that you have entered me into the city. Um, uh, right? Um, uh, uh, in peace. Because, let's say, once you want to leave the city, Omer, you say, that you take me out of the city in peace. Um, Shiyatza uh, Omer, once you've left and you're out safely, you say, Thank you, Hashem, my God, that you took me out of the city in peace. And you add, and just as you've taken me out in peace from the city, so too you should lead me in peace. And, and uh, uphold me in peace. And in place my footsteps toward peace. And you should save me from any uh, enemies or any ambushing in the city. That sounds very similar to which tefillah? Uh, and this could be uh, one of the sources for it. That when you leave a city and you're on your way, you dive in that it should be a peaceful, uh, safe journey. This only, you only need to daven when you go into a city where they don't have justice and they can kill you. Meaning, you might go in 
you, you might get arrested for not a fair reason and they could kill you. So it's a very dangerous place because there's no, um, uh, there's anarchy there, similar to what we've experienced in South Africa. The Oregon boy, and they could kill you. That's a particularly dangerous situation. But if it's a city where they have uh, courts and then they only kill people after that process, late Lanbar, you don't have to be worried about the danger in the city because it's un- you just need to be careful about your actions. As long as you don't do actions that don't get you in trouble. Ikeda Amri, Amarav Magna, there's another version that Ramadna says, even in a city where they do do judgment, but they do and they can kill you for the judgment. Why? Because what if something happens and uh, there was nobody there who can argue your innocence? So you might not have a defendant. So you didn't. You you know you you uh, there's justice, but you don't have a lawyer. I um, mean, therefore you should daven in that case. Tanu Rabbanan. Haniknas Okay, so we're going to go into an interesting piece where it says if you go into a bathhouse, you say a prayer because bathhouses were dangerous, etc., etc. It's actually a very, very fascinating daf about when you wake up, all the brochas you say there. There's a lot in there. I'm going to have to record it and post it, and please listen and enjoy. Have a great night and a good Shabbos, and please God, a meaningful uh, fast if we have to on Tisha B'Av.